With that being said, as we're headed into a new season, not just within our town, but it almost feels like, you know, the world is in a different season now. All the different things that we've been through within the last year and a half, and and we look at where our world is right now, we're headed into a new series as well within our church. And over the next 10 weeks, we are going to be spending time in the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. And and we're excited about this because uh, I think as there's transitions going on in our world, and, and honestly, if we're really honest, there's lots of uncertainty. There, there's unrest in places. There, there's hard things that are going on. There's exciting things that are going on. But as our world, it looks so much different than it even did a couple years ago. As we come to the book of Luke, there's something powerful about being centered in the gospel and going to Jesus and looking to the way that he lived his life, looking to his teachings, the way that he cared about people and saying, God, how do you want me to live in this season that we find ourselves in right now. And so we think that there's no better time than to dive into the Bible and just spend time with Jesus. If we could kind of like look at what our hope is for these next 10 weeks, it would be that each one of us, as we open up the pages of Luke, which is a gospel that's all written about Jesus and who he is and what he taught and the miracles that he did, if we could kind of paint a picture for what we hope to happen, is that each one of us would look back and would be like, I got to know Jesus better. I got to experience who Jesus is. I got to hear what Jesus taught. I got to almost see Jesus and see how he interacted with people and loved people. And then that that would change us. That that would help us to become the people that Jesus wants us to be and that we would be formed and shaped into the likeness of him. We're calling this series, Luke, His Kingdom Come. And our hope is that, again, we would just fix our eyes and our hearts and our minds, not even so much on ourselves, not even so much on our church, but that we would fix our eyes and our hearts and our minds on Jesus and that he would guide us and direct us to be the people and the type of church that he wants us to be. That's our hope and our prayer over the next 10 weeks as we're going to jump around throughout the book of Luke. You know, specifically today, as we kick off this series, we're going to look at a passage that is pretty familiar to many of us. And and even if you didn't grow up in church a ton, even if you've not been around uh, church that much, you, you probably at least have heard some parts of the passage that we're going to look at today, because today we're going to look at at the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father, if you're familiar with that. Maybe you haven't even prayed that yourself for those specific words, but maybe you've heard them before, you've seen it on TV. Uh, I know that for those of us who grew up in a more traditional church style, some of us, we grew up saying the Our Father, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And as we say that prayer, it's something that the, the goal of that is that it connects us with God. But it's interesting as you think about that prayer, I know for myself, I grew up in a church that that we said that prayer pretty often, but I also grew up doing a lot of sports and a lot of athletics. And, and it was funny because even though I was going to church and even though I would recite that prayer oftentimes, my life had very little to do with the words that I would say during that prayer. You know, I would say, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then I would go do the exact opposite of God's will. And I would know that I was doing the exact opposite of God's will. My basketball team, my senior year of high school, we felt like we needed a little bit of extra luck. You know, we, we felt like it, it might help to pray a little bit. So in the locker room before our every game, we would get together and we would hold hands and link arms. And we'd say, our father art in heaven. You know, and as we would go through the our father, would get louder and louder. And by the end, hallowed be thy name. Now let's go kick the 
their butts. You know, and we'd run out onto the, onto the court and, and, and we would play and we won a few games at the beginning of the season. So we're like, this is working. So then we added it to the end of the game after we played. But let's throw the Our Father in that. So every game we were saying the Lord's Prayer before the game and at the end of the game. And, and I say that kind of jokingly because there's certainly nothing wrong with us praying the Our Father. In fact, it can be very good to help us connect with God. But at the same time, I know for myself, and I know from talking with, with some of us, that as we've done that, it can be just words sometimes. It can almost be just superstition at times. And as we open up the pages of the Bible, we're going to see that was not Jesus's intent at all when he gave us this prayer. It wasn't that we would have a good luck charm or, or superstition, but Jesus was trying to teach us something. And I'm excited to find out what Jesus was trying to teach us. Here's the, the big idea for today. It's this, that prayer connects our hearts with God's heart. Prayer, it connects our hearts with God's heart. You know, if you think about this, and I know it's true in my own life, you can tell a lot about a person. You can tell a lot about yourself by the type of prayers that you pray. You can tell a lot about somebody, and you can tell a lot about yourself by the words and the heart attitude that you have and the things that you ask for and the things that you say when you come to God and pray. And that's what Jesus is going to teach us about as we open up in Luke chapter 11. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. This is where Jesus in the book of Luke gives us the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer. And for those of us who grew up saying it traditionally, it's going to look a little bit different. Just some really quick, you know, Bible overview here. There's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in the book of Matthew, that's where we're given the traditional Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. The book of Luke, which we're looking at today, it's much shorter and much more concise. So you'll recognize some of the wording, but it's not going to be exactly like you said it growing up if you're somebody who said this prayer. But that doesn't take away from what we can learn from this passage. So Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. It says, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Now, I want to stop just right there for a minute because that's a pretty cool question, isn't it? Have you ever thought, like, what if I got to sit down with Jesus, what question would I ask him? What would, I, what would I be able to ask him? Well, I think this is a pretty great question. Hey, Jesus, you know, prayer, it's just such an important thing, but would you teach me how to pray? Now, what's interesting is Jesus responds to that question because uh, Jesus very could have easily said, well, you know, prayer is just a spiritual thing. It's between you and God. Just do whatever you want. You know, prayer, I don't, just, just try to figure it out. You know, prayer, prayer it's, it's, it's almost mystical. I can't tell you how to pray. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus actually gives us an answer. He actually models for his disciples, and he models for all of us. Okay, you want to know how to pray? I'm going to teach you how to pray. Listen to what I model and pull out from this what you can learn. And what we're going to see throughout this shortened version of the Lord's Prayer is that what Jesus is trying to, to get across to us, again, is not so much the specific individual words. What he's trying to get across to us is the heart posture that we need to have as we come to God in prayer. The mentality, the heart process, the submission of our lives to God's will as we pray and as we come together and seek him. So again, the Our Father isn't just about some words that we put together and then recite, nothing wrong with that, but what Jesus is really getting at is our hearts. 
And so if we're going to recite the Lord's Prayer, we need to make sure that our hearts are actually in tune with the words that Jesus encourages us and models for us to say. Let's jump back in. Verse 2, let's get to the heart of what Jesus is trying to teach us about prayer. I'm going to pull out four different things from this passage. Luke chapter 2, or Luke chapter 11, verse 2. It says, and he said to them, when you pray, something interesting there, right? He doesn't say if you pray. It says when you pray. So Jesus is telling us prayer is a good thing. We need to be praying and connecting with God. Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. I want to just stop right there because it leads us to our first point is this. Prayer should take our eyes off of ourselves and fix them on God. Prayer should take our eyes off of ourselves and they should fix our heart and our attention on God. As Jesus starts this prayer, as he gives us a model for what it looks like to pray, he doesn't start with a bunch of requests. He doesn't start with himself. He starts with fixing his heart and his mind and his eyes on God. And he says, Father, hallowed be your name. Revered is your name. How great is your name? How powerful is your name? As we just sung about here today. You know, as I think about the application of that, I think about myself. I think about our world that we find ourselves in. And I have a theory as we look at our world, many of us struggle with and we deal with the reality that, that there is so much stress in our lives. Some of us deal with some, some anxiousness. Some of us are just overwhelmed by all that's going on in the world and everything that is around us. And, and yet what I think oftentimes happens is we get so fixated on ourselves and our own problems and everything that's going on in the world that we forget to take our eyes off of that and fix them on God, the one thing that truly matters in life. Because when we have our eyes so fixed on ourselves, it, it's hard to take our, our, our mentality and view God for who he truly is. When our eyes are so fixed on ourselves, our problems seem so big. Our trials seem so insurmountable. Hope seems so hard to find. But Jesus says, as you start to pray, focus on God. Let everything else fade away for a little while and focus on how good, amazing, and powerful God is. And Jesus, as he's modeling for us in prayer, he gives us this word to call God. And maybe it's almost become commonplace for us, but it should stop us in our tracks every time scripture allows us to call God Father. It says, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, God wants us to connect with him in this intimate way where we're actually encouraged to call him Father, a, a family member to us. And that sets Christianity apart from so many other religions that we have a God that wants that intimacy with us that we would be allowed to call him Father. Now, I know for some of us, this can be a hard thing because some of us have absent fathers. Some of us have fathers that have made mistakes. Some of us don't have the perfect picture of a father. But when Jesus is talking about God, he's saying, put everything aside from your earthly father. In fact, he's going to say something like that later in this chapter. Put everything aside and picture what a perfect father is. Loving, protective, kind, caring, only wanting what is good for you. And that's who God is. So fix your heart and your mind and your attention on the character of God as you go to him in prayer and spend time praising him for who he truly is. Jesus encourages us as we start to pray to take our eyes off ourselves and fix our eyes on how powerful and good God is. Let's jump back in. I just want to look at the next three words. 
It says, Father, hallowed be your name. And then it says this, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. It's a subtitle for this series, his kingdom come. And it leads us to our, our second point. It's this, prayer invites us to align our hearts with God's heart. Prayer invites us to align our hearts with God's heart. Your kingdom come. Now, the, the more traditional version of the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, uh, Jesus says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Luke doesn't go into all those extra details, but we know that those two passages work together. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and, and I don't know about you, but as I read the pages of Scripture, there's oftentimes where we're taught about the kingdom of God. And again, we're going to see that throughout this book of Luke. And yet I think for some of us that, that concept of a kingdom can be pretty hard to understand. Because think about it. There's not many kingdoms left in the world anymore. 2,000 years ago, there might have been. But we don't really think about, I mean, maybe England, you know, across the pond. They still have a king and a queen or whatever the case may be. But things have changed a lot, right? We have presidents. We, we have, uh, you know, we, we have senators and we, we have uh, representatives. It's a much different world than what was spoken about back then. So that concept of kingdom can be a, a hard concept to resonate with many of us. But what Jesus is talking about is this reality that kingdom is defined as what life looks like when Jesus is king. What life can look like when Jesus is reigning as king and God's will is prevailing. And that's happening in heaven already, right? We know that heaven is perfect. And yet we know that this place that we live in is not perfect. And so God's kingdom is reigning perfect in heaven, but right now it's not. So we pray, God, bring a piece of heaven to earth. Make our world look a little bit more like heaven. And that only happens when we submit our hearts and our lives to God. That's what it looks like for God's kingdom to reign more here on this earth as his people submitting to the king. You know, I was thinking about that concept of a kingdom, and I've shared this story with some folks before, but, but uh, a couple years ago, my family and I, we got to go to Disney. My in-laws took us to Disney World, and uh, we talk about kingdom, magical kingdom, right? And uh, Disney is quite an experience if you've ever been there, especially with little kids. And I remember being there, and it's the, the end of like our fourth day there, and you're just exhausted, you know, from being there. It's a, it's a blast. I'm not complaining at all, but it is like you need a vacation from that vacation when you get back because it, it is tiring. But we wanted to stay at Magic Kingdom till the, the end of the fireworks display one night because it's just this really cool experience. So I remember we're in uh, Magic Kingdom. It's getting dark, and people are starting to gather around that big castle. Even if you've never been there, you've probably seen the castle at Magical Kingdom. And as we're sitting there waiting, more and more people are coming, more and more people are coming. And the place is packed. It's pre-COVID. Everybody is right together, sitting there, uh, ready to watch this fireworks display. And my mind starts to go to, how are we going to get out of here before these thousands of people? So I'm like looking for the exit, trying to figure out how we're going to get out of there. And the firework display starts. And everybody is just in awe. Everyone's just like in amazement. There's grown men there that are just watching these princesses and princes dance. <laughs> There's fireworks going off. There's music everywhere. I'm looking for the exit, and my wife starts nudging me. She's like, hey, hey, watch this. I, I know, I know, I'm looking for the exit, though. Hold on, just give me a second. She's like, no, no, watch this. And I'm like, what? She's like, Look at all these people. Everybody is just enthralled with what is happening here. And she said something really deep. She said, we were made 
for, the, for worship. We were made for a kingdom. We were made to worship a king, weren't we? Our world is longing for the goodness of God. Our world is longing for the perfect kingdom of God. Even if people don't know God, deep in their hearts, they're longing for it. And yet, here's the problem. Oftentimes, we want the kingdom, but we're not sure if we want the king. We want the beautiful things that God's kingdom has to offer, but in order to actually experience it, we have to say, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we have to lay our wills aside and say, God, I wanna submit to you as the only king. And as we submit to God and his authority in this world, we start to experience his kingdom a little bit more in this world. And so as we pray, we turn our kingdoms over to God. We say, God, it's about you. It's about your kingdom and your will be done. And may my will align with your will, not the other way around. See, we can't have the kingdom if we're not willing to submit our wills to the king. But as we submit more and more to him, we get to experience life the way that it's intended to be. We get called back to the way that God created us. We get a picture of what heaven looks like when we say yes to God and we walk with him. And then all the beautiful gifts that come from following him start to flow out of us. And the people around us, we get to invite them into that. See, prayer invites us to align our hearts with God's heart. Let's jump back in as we're gonna look at verse three here. He says, give us each day our daily, our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. The third point is this. Prayer reminds us not only of our physical needs, but of our spiritual needs. As we come to God and we cry out to him in prayer, we can't just stop with our physical needs. We need to make sure that we realize the spiritual needs in our life are actually most primary. Jesus, as he's modeling for us, he says there will be physical needs, of course. See, the whole first part of the prayer is Jesus focusing our eyes on God and how powerful he is and how amazing he is and asking us to align our wills with him. And then eventually he turns to allowing us to think about ourselves and our needs. It's secondary to understanding and worshiping God. But he says, give us our day, our daily bread. Pretty short portion, right? When you really think about our physical needs, not our physical wants, right? And God may give us some of our physical wants, and that's amazing. But when you think about our physical needs, there's a pretty short list, right? Food, shelter, water. That's what we need. That's what we need physically. So Jesus says, pray for what you need, of course. But then he turns to, give us our daily bread. That's the physical part. But then he turns to the, the spiritual part and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sinned against us. See, just like we need food, we need H2O to live, to, to, to walk on this earth, more so we need the forgiveness of God in our life if we want to live spiritually. Can't live without food, but we can't have eternal life without Jesus. 
We can't experience him on this earth or in eternity unless we experience the forgiveness of God. So Jesus says, when you're praying, make sure that you recognize that we need God for the forgiveness of our sins. Even that story that we just listened to, the the good works that we do, no matter how great they may be, the good works that we do are never going to be enough to get us back to God, to actually allow us to experience his kingdom. The only way that we can experience God and his kingdom and his fullness is when we cry out for him and we recognize that we need forgiveness. So we say, God, will you forgive us? And because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, if we truly ask God for forgiveness, his answer will always be yes. Isn't that amazing to think about? That we can cry out to God and say, God, I want to be part of your family. And his answer will always be yes. We don't have to fear rejection when we come to him with a pure, pure heart. But Jesus doesn't even just stop there, recognizing that we have a, a connection and a need for God to, to forgive us between us and him. But he says we also need to look at the people around us and say, will you help us to forgive everyone who sins against us? One of the quickest ways to derail our spiritual lives is when we harbor bitterness, when we harbor the hurt and the pain that others have inflicted on us, and we don't extend the same forgiveness that God extends to us to the people around us. See, forgiveness is something that we get to grant to other people because when we forgive other folks, it actually allows us to be free. Forgiveness isn't just a gift that we give to other people. Forgiveness is a gift that we get to walk in as well. And so as we think about this prayer that Jesus models for us, we talk about this around here all the time at H2O, but Jesus is modeling for us something that is so true of our spiritual lives, that the vertical relationship, the up and down, the relationship where we look up to God and ask him for his forgiveness is always affected by the horizontal as well. Those two always intersect If we truly have experienced the forgiveness that God has granted us, then how can we not extend it to the people around us? If we say, I love you, God, thank you so much for your forgiveness, but somebody sins against us and we can't extend them that same forgiveness, we haven't truly grasped the depths of our own sin and the magnitude of how great God's forgiveness for each and every one of us is. And of course, there's tons of disclaimers here. I know, of course, many of us have been hurt in really hard ways. And I know that forgiveness can be an extremely hard thing to extend in certain situations. But as we look at the prayer that Jesus is modeling for us, he's doing it because he loves us. He's telling us to forgive others because he wants us to have abundant life. He wants us to have a picture of the kingdom of God. And so it may be something that we have to work for. Maybe something that we have to have other people help us and pray for. Maybe something that we have to go to God's word and get inspired for. But we always can extend forgiveness. Doesn't mean that we will keep the relationships the same or that everything will be perfect. But it means that our heart posture towards others will change. Because as we've experienced the forgiveness of God, for those of us who've said yes to God's kingdom, we realize how massive that debt is that we had against God, that he forgave us. It allows us in humility to look around us and extend that same forgiveness, and that gives us abundant life. Let's jump back into the final part of this passage, because now Jesus jumps back into explaining. That was the the Our Father portion of Luke chapter 11, and then he's gonna put some meat on the bones here at the very end. Luke chapter 11, verse five, he says this. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend 
and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey and has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one answered inside, don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, fourth and finally is this. Prayer isn't just about asking God for things. It's about seeking him. Prayer isn't just a laundry list of things that we need to ask God for. What Jesus is saying is prayer is about seeking God, it's about the relationship. Did you catch the humor in this passage? I don't know if Jesus is trying to be funny or not, but it seems pretty funny to me. You know, he gives this hypothetical example of a, a neighbor in the middle of the night and some guy who comes and he's knocking on your door. If you've ever experienced that, it can be frustrating when you're in bed and your neighbor comes, knocks on your door, or someone you know is, hey, I need something, you know, and Jesus says, you know, even if you're friends with that guy, you're probably not gonna get up out of bed and give him any bread. You know, let's be honest. Even, even if you're friends with that guy, you're probably not going to. But if that guy keeps knocking on your door all night long, you're just going to finally, because of his audacity, say, all right, I guess I'm not going to get any sleep if he keeps knocking, so fine. You can go get the bread and you give it to him, right? It's a funny picture that Jesus paints here. And Jesus basically says, listen, you should be like that guy that just keeps knocking. Just kind of saying, be like that annoying neighbor, you know, who just won't give up who just keeps knocking and, and keeps coming back because he has such a great need. The picture that Jesus is pointing here is as we go to God, let's just be so persistent in our seeking of him. Let's not give up. There may be seasons where it's dry. There may be seasons where it's hard. There may be seasons where it feels like I'm not getting anything out of this prayer time or this time in the word. Jesus says, don't give up. Keep knocking. Keep Running to God. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. You know, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about my kids, you know, because Jesus gives this picture of a father and his kids. And he says, you know, even if you're an imperfect father, you're still going to give a good gift to your son. And I'm certainly an imperfect father. I know all of us who are dads here would say amen to that. Say, I'm not perfect at all. But I think about my kids, you know, I think about sometimes around Christmas time or at their birthday, especially when they're younger, you know, I'd start talking, hey, what do you want? What type of present do you want? What type of gift do you want for Christmas? What type of gift do you want for your birthday? And, and especially when they're younger, you know, they're audacious with what they ask for sometimes. I want a pony. I want Jordans. I want a Wii. I want an Xbox. All that, you know, wow. Okay, it's Thanksgiving. You know, it's not even Christmas. What? That's a big request right there. But as a father, I love asking them those questions because I want to know what's going on in their hearts. I want to know what they value. I want to know who their friends are. I want to know what they care about. And so I'm probably not going to give them all those things, actually. But I want to hear about it. 
I want them to ask. And what I can tell you is even though I'm not a perfect father at all, if there's something that they need, if there's something that I believe will help them to be the person that God wants them to be, I'm going to find a way to get it to them. I'm going to find a way to to make sure that I provide for them in that specific. I'm not going to be able to give them everything that they want. I don't have unlimited resources, right? But if there's something that they need, I'm going to get that to them. I'm going to do anything that I can to fulfill that need in their life, to be the person that God wants them to be. And that's what Jesus is saying here to us. He's saying God is a perfect father. So when we go and pray, it doesn't mean that God's going to give us every single thing that we ask for. When Jesus says, uh, you know, ask and it will be given to you, it doesn't mean that if you ask for a Tesla, Jesus is going to give you a Tesla or whatever you may really, really want. But what it does mean is that if we have a need spiritually that is going to draw us closer to God, he will say yes. He's going to answer that prayer. And so when we submit our will to God's will, God always gives us what's best for our walk with him. Seek him and you'll find him. Be persistent in seeking him and his kingdom. And it'll be amazing the power and the fullness and the abundance of life that we experience as we walk together in God's kingdom. So our hope and our prayer for every single one of us here today is that we would be persistent in seeking God, that we would go to him and we wouldn't stop knocking so that we can find him, so that we can experience his kingdom. We can say yes to his kingdom and we can invite others into his kingdom as well. That's what our church is all about here. And we pray and we hope that we can model that for you and we can do this together as we experience God and we seek his kingdom together. I'm gonna invite you to pray and we're gonna sing and worship Jesus for who he really is.